everybody, and welcome to the Words of Whiskey podcast, episode 37. I'm your host, Henry, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tom. Tom! How are you? I'm good. How are you, Henry? I'm very well, thank you. Wow. I realise our last episode was very whiskey-focused and whiskey-centric. Yeah, I think you remember that. This time, we're going to be a bit more... Well, still, of course, it's worth of whiskey. We're always well, going to have some whiskey. whiskey. We're having some whiskey. But we have a couple of books that we want to talk about. There are some mm-hmm. shows I want to chat to you about. So, a film? A film? Oh, yes. A <laughs> film. That was a very improvised sign language there from your co-host. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we'd mentioned that. <laughs> yes, a film you want to talk about. But it was a while ago. Yeah. So you have bought the whiskies for this episode. I bought, well, I bought some whiskey for the episode. There has been a mix-up and it has not arrived for the episode. I was really looking forward to it. It was a very interesting bourbon that I'd never heard of, but the bottle looked beautiful. It was the colour of blood. That really selling it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I had ordered um, this Balcones oh, Texas Pot Still Balcones, sorry, Texas Pot Still bourbon. In this lovely, look at that deep red colour of that bottle. Sadly, it's not arrived, and I'm very upset. That's that would have been such a good bottle to have, though, it, wouldn't it? It is a nice one. I have. have you I, had it? I can't remember if I've had that one. I've had other Balcones before. But this, the stuff of theirs I have tried has been very nice. We're going to have it on the next one. We can have it on the next one. But... The chance of it still being here on the next one when it arrives... Is, uh, yeah, unknown. <laughs> As yet unknown. But you have some backup bottles. Some backup bottles. So what what have you got for us to try So, uh, from my shelf, I have got um, the... And if I pronounce this wrong, do this into Robbie Henry. Um, the Cardu Gold Reserve. Yep. And um, the Ardmore. But this one is Legacy? Yes, Ardmore Legacy. Which is actually the uh, bottle I got you for your birthday, isn't it? Oh, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you got it for me. I just didn't know when. <laughs> yes, I'm not a cheapskate at all. <laughs> what risk do you bring to the podcast, Tom? Oh, the one you got me. <laughs> It'll be £25. <laughs> so, which one shall we start with? Let's get the card or you. Card you? Get the card. Get the cards on the table. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in this rabbit hole of puns tonight. Ooh, I haven't had Cardu in so long. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's literally been probably years since I've last had a Cardu. It's been a while since I've had it. It smells delicious. It smells really honeyed. It does. It it smells really sweet, like like treacle. It smells like um, flapjacks. Like flapjacks. I was going to say it smells like car- caramel. Hmm. Very caramelly. Like um, sticky toffee pudding. Yeah. I'm guessing definitely. Definitely unpeated, I think. <laughs> yes, but you would probably be surprised from, from me. Mm. Yeah, no, it's been ages since I've had Cardo. Cheers. Cheers. That's just a really good, nice, solid whiskey. Flapjack. Flapjack. Yeah. Tastes, tastes like flapjack. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. not as big a fan as I thought you'd be. No, it, it's nice. I'd, I'd happily sip away at that, given the glass. It's, um, yeah, just honey, treacle, flapjack. <laughs> that's what I, yeah. It's nice. I, I can't, that's, yeah, can't complain. Can't knock it. No. Can't knock it. Not bad for, what, what percentage is it? It can't be... 
say about 40%. 40% spot on 40. Yeah. yeah, I thought it probably would be. No, a bit of rich for you? Richer than you're used to or prefer? No, I tend to get more richness from sort of like sherry cask, I think. Uh, I think sherry cask has that more sort of like, yeah, dried fruit richness. So would you say it's a bit le- more unrefined, a bit less subtle than whiskies that you're used to? I don't know. I think the... Of course, I get... I think some of the richness you get from a lot of the whiskies I try is that a lot of them tend to be cask strength as well. Mm-hmm. And that extra ABV kind of gives that that kind of real bite, punch, yeah. punch, that bite, that richness. It's kind of like, um, it is, they are kind of, cast strength whiskies I find are like a rich dessert. They're really delicious and great. You can't have too much of them because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to, you're going to tell. You're like, it's like when you have like a nice rich dessert and you eat, you're like, oh, I don't need another portion, but I'm going to have it. And then you feel really bloated Full, and heavy afterwards. Yeah. Like having too many cast strength whiskies and particularly what it does to your mouth that by the end you're like I can't I can't I can't taste anything else because <laughs> I've just had so much strong flavours uh, yeah flavours and alcohol um, but no this is I would call this a very easy easy sipper I think this would be a good in a cocktail a good in a cocktail yes and if you're going to have a range of whiskies come on to start this would be a good introductory whiskey for someone yeah. say if you were you wanted to introduce someone to whiskey this would be super approachable because it's like i say, it's a lot of those forgiving it's very forgiving yeah it's got a lot of those sort of aromas and that taste that remind me of sweet things mm-hmm. which i think a lot of people would enjoy i think if you were to give this to a big whiskey aficionado they might not enjoy it as much but i would i'd happily sip away at this this is nice it's very good. It's very good. Now, do you have some whiskey trivia for me? I do indeed. All good. I I, I'm few. I'm slightly worried for the when we get to our end of year roundup that if, if <laughs> we do, do we've got to do a quiz because we've got to do the reverse a reverse. Quiz. Oh, I'm supposed to be keeping a tally of these. Yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm worried. I'm I'm not going to do very well. I've got to find where I kept my whiskey trivia. Hold on, I had it ready. Here we go. Right, so. The first bit of whiskey trivia is actually something of a betrayal. Did you know that John Jameson, the founder of Jameson's Irish whiskey, is actually Scottish? You did know that. I think I remember you telling I me. I think we've done the, we've done that one before. We've done that one before. God damn it! Anyway, obviously, did Ooh, with, with, what? No, oh, I've just uh, had a sip of this. It's like a oh, bit ethanol bite at the end. Ooh, that's good. It's a bit extra. No, oh. it's not. It wasn't that pleasant. So, obviously, whiskey is in the NATO phonetic alphabet uh, for W. Did you know it wasn't always whiskey? I have a feeling we've done this one before, but I can't remember it. So, it, whiskey replaced the word William in 1956. I, was it because it got confusing when they... Could be referring to it, that's all it says on my uh, on my notes. Anyway, because those two bits of whiskey trivia, uh, I, I didn't hit the mark. I have a question, whiskey trivia related for you. Hmm. In the average measure of whiskey, how many calories are there? Average measure of any whiskey. Well, I, I don't know, average whiskey, uh, whiskey and average. I mean, it's complete. Seventy. 
Oh, it's 64. Oh, that, that was, was close. close. That was close. Which, for reference, 64 is less calories than a banana. So what we've learned here today, if you're trying to lose weight, whiskey is better for you than fruits. <laughs> Don't think that is the message we should No, that is definitely the message. That is what we've learned. Shifting, shifting away from whiskey, there is a book that both me and you have read. And recently. And recently. That we both said. It was, it was purely coincidental because I remember I, um, I saw you and I asked you what you were reading. And you said the book and I was like, oh. I've, I've got, got that too. I've got that too. I haven't started it yet. It's the first time that's happened as well. Because didn't that happen no. with the Poppy War? Yes. Yeah. Actually, that time it was like, oh, I've got a book I'm going to recommend to you. I yeah, it's the other way around. And I was like, oh, I've got that book as well. Yeah. Whereas this time, I just I asked you what you were reading and you said the book. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've got, I've got that, that book. And I was going to recommend it for us to read together for the podcast. But you'd already started it. So as soon as I finished the book I was reading then, I immediately started the yes, same book. book so that we could talk about it today. The book is The Atlas Six. By Olivia Blake. Yep. And now this is going to make for an interesting discussion. Oh, yes. <laughs> because we both felt very similarly about... We definitely were on the same, same. page. Hey. <laughs> um, I've been waiting 15 minutes to say that. <laughs> Oh, I, th- I didn't realise that was intentional. No, 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 no that's it. I made that up. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> but yeah, we were both very much on the same wavelength about this book. Mm. And this is interesting because for the first time in a long time... We've agreed. We've agreed that we didn't love this book. We didn't love this book. Which for us is quite interesting. We're normally often, very positive reviewers. Yes. Very positive reviewers. And you often give me like a lot of recommendations, like a lot of the, the Jim Butcher and Joe Abercrombie books. Which and really we, nail it. I, like, yeah, I know the sort we, of things you'd like. And I like this stuff and I think you're going to like it too. Yeah. And I'm right. And then we gush about how much we like it and why and everything. Whereas reading this... Or sometimes you say a bit that you like and I gush about how much I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we, it, it's very rare that we both kind of walk away from a book where we're like, I didn't hate it. Hmm. But I definitely did not love it. No, no. And I can't really say I overly enjoyed it. If I, I got, I got through it. Yeah, I got which, through it. I mean, in a I sense, had to skim read a few bits. Yeah, but I got to the end. Yeah, it's not a ringing endorsement, but it at least held my attention till the end. Mm-hmm. But was it great? Yeah. Mm. So. Spoiler-free discussion first. Spoiler-free discussion first. So, for context, the idea of the Atlas Six is that the library of Alexandria... Didn't burn, it just went into hiding. It went into hiding, but it exists within a world where magic is a thing. And you have people within the world who can use magic and... And they're in, part of modern society. My, yeah. Everyone knows they can use magic and everyone accepts it. It's been a part of the world openly for a long time. I would say this is more like a parallel world where magic exists and it's accepted and it's well known rather than it's meant to be in our world and hidden. Mm. Like you can go and study magic at university. Like it, it's, it's mundane in this world to be magic. Mm. Like you could walk into your hair salon 
And rather than a normal hairstylist, you've got someone who's putting enchantments on your hair to make it look different. Yeah. That sort of thing. So it's, it's like a... Yeah, m- magic is part of modern day society. And you have... They call them witches mm. or medians in this um, setting. Book, setting. But you still have the typical modern world as well working alongside it. Yeah. But the idea is that six... Um, magic users are selected from society and they are considered like the cream of the crop they're from the younger yeah younger yeah generation up up and coming magicians and they are recruited into this society of people who who have access maintain or have access to to the the, library of Alexandra yeah Um, and so the book follows the different perspectives of these of these six people as they study to gain admittance to the society but the catch is and it does say this on the blurb one of them will die doesn't i don't think it says that i think it does i think it says only five of them will be accepted so i have just googled the atlas six and on the waterstones page no it doesn't say that so that's a minor spoiler (laughs) actually quite a major spoiler so here uh here's the blurb okay so um it says here on the, on the Amazon page, five, they are told, will be initiated. One will be eliminated. And it, it's a little it, bit it, opaque, but it is strongly implied it uh, be like a fatal elimination. Because it goes on to say, um, if they can prove themselves to be the best among their rivals, most of them will. Most of them. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's already implied at the start. Yeah. So... Okay, may, it might be a spoiler, and I apologise if I ruin it for anybody. But you can, you kind of you infer, can infer it, it very, yeah, very, very much, early very early on. It's very much from the blurb. You're like, it's a little bit hot, dark, higher at stake. This subgenre of fantasy is called dark academia, so I would expect there to be that element. Hmm. But it's <sighs> spoiler-free. Discuss them first. Spoiler-free. When I recommended it to you, I sent you a review by Blogging with Dragons, which kind of summed up my views on on this book. Because you were much further in it. Much further in it. And I was like, I, this book can just, is summing up what I I'm think saying. You, you were about, I think you said at the time you were about two-thirds of the way through. I was. So to give you an example um, of my time reading this book, it takes me on average for a book of that size about four or five days to read less if I'm on holiday and don't have to go to work <laughs> it took me 50 days to read the Atlas 6 you stopped there you, you froze yeah this book did not do very well at holding my interest blimey that... I only finished it really for the podcast I, I finished this quicker than you yes you did blimey. yes you did that, which is a rarity <laughs> this is a rarity I, and I even stay up till 2am to get this finished by the deadline as I set myself <laughs> 50 days 50. It took me, I think it took me just over two weeks. It took me oh, 50 man. days. Bearing in mind... Were, were you reading anything else at the same time? I was not, but I didn't... I, I just kind of got distracted very uh, because it was not really my cup of tea. I was letting other things distract me. That's the thing. Comparing this to other books this year that have massively helped my... T- like Red Rising. Yeah. I could not put that book down. Mm-hmm. This... I could I could so easily put it down going yeah. through things. Yeah, I, 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 literally the only the only way I kind of got through it was commuting to work. I was like, 
I've got nothing else I've to do. I've got nothing else to do. I'm on the train. I'll read a bit now. I'll read a bit. It on was my way very, home. very heavy. This book goes very deeply into philosophy, moral arguments, ethics, that sort of thing. Like anything that happens in the book is that you can guarantee there'll be a chapter or two before and after the event where everyone is discussing these things. Mm. And at first, it was interesting. Mm. After a while, I was like, okay, but when is something going to happen? When is the actual drama going to happen? Eventually, I realized that is just the book. And then it got to the point where I was like, Olivia Blake clearly really enjoys this sort of thing. These molded dilemmas and debates about whether or not something is right or wrong. A lot of monologuing. A lot of monologuing. There was a lot of monologuing. Um, I'd also hesitate to say, I've never met any 20-something-year-olds, especially the students, who talk like this. No. But granted, these... Kind of like students I know get as soon as they go out and live a student accommodation acts and then they burn down their apartment buildings they forgot that they have to take things out the oven because their mum normally does it for them yeah but I think the idea is that these are kind of like high achieving academics and so they should I've met some high achieving academics they have all the common sense of a broom handle (laughs) (laughs) you ask them a maths question snap they've got it instantly but you ask them to mop a floor then they don't know where to start literally that has literally happened to me i, I need i need that quoted <laughs> all the common sense of a broom handle <laughs> which is ironic because actually broom handles are very practical <laughs> no it is true it's like um in the big bang theory isn't it sheldon yes he's an excellent academic has all the has people a- skills of a cactus yeah pretty much <laughs> um I will say one positive thing okay. that I did actually really... I liked at the start of each part of the book, the artwork yeah, of the actually, various characters. I would have liked someone, uh, uh, some indication of which characters they were. Yes. I, I think, had to look up online who which ones they were because yeah. a description, a physical description of the characters isn't offered in the text, I don't think. For a, for a few of them, it is, I think. But not till later, not until after their picture's shown, I noticed. No, not oh, Okay, maybe, maybe I got that wrong. It's, it's been a while since I read it. But the, the, the point is, it would have been nice just to have a little indicator. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of the characters in it. I was like, oh, this could be so-and-so, or this could be so-and-so. I'm not 100% sure. But a number of the characters, like I could tell immediately who they were. Yeah. But I did. whoever did the artwork... It was very in good. The book, I did really like that. And it was, it was quite nice, because it gave... A lot of the time, I do like coming up with the own image of the characters in my mm-hmm. head but it was also nice to see have a framework to build on framework yeah absolutely on. um yeah so that is one of the positive notes of <laughs> my either kind of eh or i didn't like this bit i was kind of very either neutral or i didn't overly like that and so yeah so the whole something yeah, like to, some of the premises Tom has already decided so the characters are sort of like initiated into this society or they're going through the initiation which is a study they're they're having to study for that they're having to study they're having to like work together at times having to kind of like challenge each other at times as well and they're kind of like playing off of each other Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea is that they spend a year within studying studying within the society to for then eventually five of them to be accepted and one to be eliminated as it says on the Amazon page for the record. Yeah. Um, but 
it's the problem is I think and this is a this is a big problem that I've discussed think- before on the podcast so the author makes a promise in the blurb five are going to be initiated one is going to be eliminated you know that's going to happen yeah, so you're waiting for it to happen and the longer it doesn't happen it, it makes the story seem very slow mm-hmm. so other things need to happen aside from moral arguments um, for you to be like something has felt like happening if that makes sense yeah and I think one well, of the main issues for me was you were waiting for stuff to happen and it did not help that the majority of the book is confined to one place. Yes. Which is the house that the society are currently based at. Considering they can teleport across continents, it was quite disappointing. Yeah. There, there are, at the start of the book, there are, there's a bit of hopping, hopping around yeah. the world and you're seeing different places and characters in those different places. Well, not exactly. No, you see a few. You see New York, of t- the Tokyo, six, of the six Paris. Pe- yeah, London. yeah. But you don't actually explore those cities. You don't see no. how massacres change those cities from what you would know. You, you just go to their apartment. And of the six people who are the make up the main characters, a third of those people live on the same street. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that doesn't doesn't help. But yeah, one of my major issues was that it was confined to this one place. Mm, the library of Alexandria. Yeah, we all. It's essentially just basically an English country manor. Yeah. Um, and you don't even really see the library at all. They kind of just. They're summon, not really allowed to spend much time in there. I don't think. No, they kind of just summon the books and fuck off. They, yeah. Um, and it was. I kind of. I. I, I want to see more of this. I want I to explore the, the, the whole the whole point of fantasy for me is the escapism element. Like I have studied, okay, I, I I've done my time in school and college and etc. Um, so now I want to go and see what else the world has to offer. Hmm. I don't want to read a book where I'm dragged back. And the whole point of Dark Academia is they kind of make it cool and magical, like a soft, like a bit like Harry Potter, but people uh, there's higher stakes and it's all darker, hmm. and. I didn't get that from this. It felt too mundane. Felt too confined. That sense of wonder and that sense of danger just wasn't there. Uh, that's the thing. There was, for me, there was little wonder of, mm. in, in the magical world because quickly, it, I felt like it quickly established that the magical world actually sounded dull as mm-hmm. fuck. Yep. Yeah, it's like ah oh, yes, we have magi- magic and everything, and people can use magic and they can use enchantments and everything. And guess what we've got? We've got magical financial firms and magical <laughs> social media and magical dating apps. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Why are you huh? using magic to just do what we can make anyway? Yeah, I, we already have dating apps. We already have social media. We already have legal firms. Yeah. Why to be a magical person? Yeah, or, or it's like, it was even like, oh, we've got magical criminals. I was like, give me more of that. that yeah, sounds, I'd much that rather read about fun. them. I'd much rather read about them. Yeah, it's like, oh, we've got magical criminals. If they're mag- yeah, like, also, if they're magical criminals, but as it says here, I think the governments are still mortal. I think this says, yeah. why aren't the magical criminals taken over? <laughs> it's, it's just like, so elements that could have been interesting are kind of like, left to the side and mm. this it felt like that sort was 
all the other thing that we would have found interesting was pressed to the side mm. to make more room for ethical debates and monologues. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like Olivia Blake is really into that and wanted to do, and that's what she wants to do. Mm. And it is her book at the end of the day. But that's just not my cup of tea. No. Uh, like it, it's sort of like Jeremy Clarkson meme. Well, this is great, but I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like for me, I'm reading the book for a sense of wonder, you know, escapism. Mm. I want to read about drama because I love drama. I thrive on it. Um, and that's what I want to read about. I want to. I, I, I've studied. I've uh, got a flatmate, so I'm used to living around young people. That I'm used to. That mundane side of things I am used to. I'm coming here for my dose of magic and excitement. And if I'm not getting that, then there's no. I mean, it wasn't reading. the excitement. It wasn't. It didn't exactly. sound like an interesting. I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose to be there. No, it, it was like of even even if we were exploring the magical world of this world, it doesn't sound interesting. It doesn't sound interesting at all. No, so I wasn't even drawn in. And then the fact that the magical world itself didn't sound interesting enough and then you go and confine it to one place when you could have expanded actually shown us actually oh there is actually more to this magical world and it could have been built upon and made more interesting it's like nope you're going to confine us to this basically this one area for the whole book and the whole interesting premise that you have the library of Alexander at your fingertips sorry Alexandria at your fingertips and then you don't really touch on much of it because they kind of don't really have that much access and you they don't it doesn't really get discussed what they it's never revealed what they get access to yeah from oh i got this book and thing about magical philosophy and and which is again i think that's what olivia blake's into i haven't looked her up so i might be wrong but it's sort of like Oh, I'm here. I have access to all the lost information of, from the ages, and I want to read more philosophy. Or, right, but but then it's the, the fact that I have access to. All, oh wait, no, I don't have access. Oh, I don't to have it. access. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, you can only yeah, you can you you can't have access to everything because knowledge corrupts, and or too much knowledge leads to disaster and everything. You're like, uh, okay, I was kind of when you tell me you have this amazing resource and it could be a really interesting plot point and it just it comes i feel like it goes too much towards the various characters angst and anxieties and shortcomings that's and okay issues. the problem is none of them are likable <laughs> so we go into a so more spoiler discussion now yeah it's I think, hard I think... to be to skirt around the issues that yeah, we were let's, facing let's go to spoiler discussion, spoiler discussion and let's go so to the we're... main issue that is i did not like any of the characters i think it's because they spent most of the book manipulating each other ruthlessly sexually psychologically sometimes physically they just manipulated each other all the time like it, like characters having flaws is fine characters struggling to get shit done because of their angst or anxiety as you say is actually really common and it's done really well in books that we liked mm-hmm. like I'm sure if we'd thought about it, some of the Jeroba Crombie books I'm sure there's characters who have anxiety and outright cowardice or whatever in their books as those char- and, and in the Jim Butcher books that we've read mm-hmm. But they also have this sense of wonder of these worlds we'd like to explore, these characters we enjoy spending time with, and, you know, 
scenes where we don't know what's going to happen. A character could live or die or make their fortune or lose it all and we don't know what's going to happen and we're absolutely absorbed. Mm. Whereas in this book, it's like, should we kill this person who's going to kill us? Is that right? Yeah. And it's just, it was, it, I think my biggest problem with the book is I started to wonder what was going on because I said in our spoiler-free discussion, I kept insist, uh, correcting you and saying they are studying because they spend the year here studying. Hmm. For what? There's no exam at the end. They swear an oath and are all inducted. Yeah. So what were they studying for? <laughs> I mean, and there's, 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 there's the thing. They are, they do study and they kind of... They have they, lectures. They have lectures. They have and research. And the kind of, the whole... They, they start doing stuff that they, they even say... Oh, if the rest of the world found out that we could do this, this would revolutionise things. One of them literally creates a wormhole between his bedroom and the kitchen, so that he just to get a snack. Just to get a snack, and you're like, but what? They even say, oh, if we took this to the world, um, the rest of the world, and that person can generate this enough power, we could op- we could create like a black hole and everything like that. It's like, wait, so you, you're telling me you have enough power and knowledge now to revolutionise the world, but. You're not going to do that's anything a ma- with it? That's a major point of the book. So instead of... So yeah, there's a major philosophical debate that goes on for most of the book about whether or not they should share it. Mm-hmm. So that that is a, a factor, which is very frustrating. I get it. But, but what I was trying to say is the fact that they're studying despite there not being an exam, the fact that they have all this technology and don't share it because they're still debating whether or not it's morally right to do so. The whole world... The whole story seems crafted to cram in as many philosophical debates and monologues as possible. The whole book just seems to me, let's have more and more of these ethical debates. Yeah. That, that, that's the way it seemed to me. For, for me, it was going back to like why I was saying I didn't particularly like any of the characters. It was because they were all so grey. Mm. Like you... No, not there were a couple one or two of them who you just like you were there was there's one in particular Callum who is literally designed you, you, you're basically you're not going to like him you, you're designed he's designed not for you to like mm. but the problem is other characters you feel like you're meant to like them but you don't <laughs> but you still kind of don't and you kind of like Libby and Nico I think are kind of the two characters you're meant to root for because they're the youngest they're and in- Tristan. I feel like a lot of time is spent on Tristan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who sleeps with half of them or something ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he, oh, he had the poor childhood where his father didn't care about him. And His father like, was the aforementioned magical criminal. Yeah. It was way more interesting. Yeah. And then you've got Nico, who's trying to take care of his best friend, who I couldn't tell if there was meant to be some sort of sexual tension. Yeah. There. That, that was, was all very weird. ambiguous. That wasn't, wasn't handled very well, I don't think. No, it's like... It kind of felt like you just you and those they were so those two had a werewolf roommate. Yeah, which he was called Max. He was way more. He was just sat around naked all day when he wasn't when he wasn't in wolf form, just drinking and eating snacks. He was way more interesting than the rest of the book. Yeah. But the whole thing with like Nico meant meant to be helping his friend Gideon and everything. That kind of just I don't know whether it was it was meant to make you feel more sympathetic to the character, but I. I just kind of I didn't care mm. 
really. It's like I know this is meant to make me kind of like this character and feel for him, but I, I kind of <laughs> I just kind of didn't, didn't bring myself to get. And then you got Libby, who of course you're meant to. She's meant to be quite nice, and she's kind of meant to be like almost kind of quite sweet and everything, but she's also so. Wound up, wound and up, tense and, and, and tense and anxiety-driven and things. I have met people way more anxious than that, and I've and unlike the other characters in this book, I haven't lost my temper about it. Like, <laughs> and like, Callan was really horrible to her for her anxiety, and Tristan was horrible to her at first for her anxiety. And I'm reading it like, but I don't understand what they find so frustrating. Yeah. Because I've met people with anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety. My family, I've got, I've got family members who struggle with anxiety. And maybe I'm just more used to it, but it's just not that irritating that I would want to yeah, snap at you them. You don't have to be such an arsehole. Yeah, you it was literally just, uh, it was just them being an arsehole. And then just to kind of... <laughs> Tagline of the book, everyone's an arsehole. Everyone's an arsehole. I mean, they all were arseholes. Can I talk about Parisa for a second? Go, go ahead. So, one thing that really confused me, confused me about Parisa, so she's a telepath, so you can read your minds, but she's irresistibly attractive. And to the point where I started to think that that was her power, not her telepathic yeah. side. And then they they quickly establish, oh no, she's just... She's yeah. just attractive. Yeah. She's just ridiculously, so attractive that every man in the book and some of the women literally cannot resist her. And literally their knees start to shake and they start to go red in the face. And like We've, we've all, you know, um, struggled a bit around our crust. We've all gone a bit red and embarrassed and etc., but this is like a random woman you've just met and you you're tongue tied, and like she's not that attractive. I, I, I think I actually screamed at the page at one point. Men, pull yourself together. <laughs> Stand strong, man. Stand strong, man. <laughs> because I was just like, I don't get it. Like I've been, I know some really attractive ladies, and and and, and I'm not trying to say that I'm a better man than anyone else because I'm not. But you're not like throwing yourself at them yeah. the minute after you see when, them. When they ask me for a favour, I'm not like anything for you, my darling. Or something. I, 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 I'm just like, I'll help you if I can. Like, I'm just normal. I'm not. It was almost creepy how desperate they were to be with this person. Yeah. It's... I didn't get it. And then she used that irresistibility more than her mind reading powers. Yeah. Because it turned out that pretty much all of them had ways to block her out. Yeah, they even established, like, oh, they can use mental defences to try and... So in what way is she the most powerful person in the world? Yeah. Like, what, what are the most powerful up-and-coming mages? If every, all normal mages can try and block her out, why is she here? Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, just... So, even, like, when the characters had their kind of what were meant to be redeeming qualities, I was just like, I kind of, I just kind of don't care. No. <laughs> even like, yeah, um, I, 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 I even wrote notes, which I don't necessarily always do, but, um, what did I write? Uh, yeah, I, Magical World sounded boring. It was too confined to one place. Um, characters, none feel overly relatable or make you really root for them. Um, they're either annoying, intolerable, or just dislikable. Even when, even when you're meant to see their redeeming qualities, and just, just even the redeem supposed redeeming qualities, I just didn't make me. It, like Libby's sister had died when she was young and everything, and it's just like, I, all the other stuff I've read, you just don't. It just you, you, 
I think too much had be, been done at the start that made me... A lot of the, it's self-obsession. All the characters are self-obsessed. They are all self-obsessed. And I think realising that very early on, that they're all so self-obsessed and morally grey, that realised that very early on, and then even when I think Olivia Blake tried to establish parts that are meant to make you relate to the characters or feel sympathy for them, I was like, it's just it's a bit too late for me because I already... Okay. Not enough information about the characters were established. Mm-hmm. So, like, what kind of clothes does Libby like to wear? Was it, it was something like she wore very kind of plain clothes, like yeah, cardigans and. And what kind of clothes did Tristan wear? I think he wore like um, shirts, and he he, he was quite smart. Wasn't he was. He? I just do remember that. But what did Nico wear? What did Raina wear? We barely saw Raina. Yeah, that, again, that was, that was... We barely saw Raina. I thought that was going to be like a little bait and switch at the end. So part of the reason I kind of did keep on reading was I was like, okay, I can't, I, I've seen, I've seen, seen like this book is critically acclaimed. I've seen quite a lot of people reading it. Mm-hmm. I thought it's going to be, I thought there must be something at the end that is going to switch it. And I thought, oh, I'm seeing very little of Raina. I'm seeing more of Callum, who already I know is established to be the one you don't like. But I feel like, because we're seeing so little of Raina... I think she's going to be the one who's eliminated at the end. But I, I would have been disappointed if it had been. Because um, uh, if we saw so little of her, she's the obvious choice. Yeah. So I would think, as I, as a reader, as you said, I'd be like, oh, it's looking like it's Raina, so it's got to be somebody else. That would make me eliminate her from my mind as the one who, go, who does... Mm. I thought Callum would be the too obvious choice because yeah. it's, it's quickly, it's very easily established that he, you're not meant to like him. You're not meant to like him. Parisa was the only one who actually caused any drama at all in the entire fucking book, mm-hmm. so he's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was gonna be Tristan. I, I, that's the thing. Even in the blurb, they established that like Tristan's powers are like quite special. Yeah, and it wasn't fully explored. You're right. He's uh, got too much drama attached. Yeah, and he's got the kind of more, most interesting backstory I think he's one of the actual the only one of an actual backstory yeah we don't know anything about what Callum got up to previously yeah well no he's well, Callum was just son of a rich family yeah that, that, that's, that's it. just it yeah. and he's lazy he's yeah. too lazy he could use, I think Atlas actually says he's he could destroy the world yeah. by making people start a nuclear war or whatever yeah. he's just too lazy to do anything with his power yeah looking back at my notes this is one thing that happened quite early on in the book and kind of <laughs> really annoyed me was that we have all these monologues and ethical quandaries and everything but there are so many things that are quickly brushed aside without characters being particularly remorseful or worrying about it and very early on in the book there's the whole idea that they're in the house and the house gets invaded by yes I was waiting for you to foreign, say this gets basically invaded by foreign entities it basically gets invaded by magicians and secret service and, and CIA to the basically CIA try and, and try and steal the information that is in the library and you've basically just plucked these rather they're magical but you've taken basically two university students and some people who worked like Tristan who worked a fairly average office job although quite and Callum as well with an average office job yeah. and Parisa who was just sleeping with people so they would pay for things he wanted yeah 
Um, that's, the, that's some of that up actually. Yeah. That's no judgments. That's just what he was doing. But um, basically, take them and you're like, oh yeah, you've got to now preserve the magical barriers of the society to prevent people breaking it. And they and always say, okay, let's go kill these people. Yes. <laughs> that's the thing. People break in, and the next thing you know, Rainer has stuck a knife in someone's head. Nico has been shot in the arm. And then the next day, they're all fine. There is there is no mention of Nico's injury, even though it's like it's established like it's not a bad wound, but he is apparently blood covering his arm. Mm. No mention of it. And Rayla stuck a knife in someone's head, and no one was like, "Huh, you you quite happily remorselessly killed that person." And then the same with tr- when Tristan is helping Libby see through the emotion uh, the, through the. Um, uh, just illusions. illusions she incinerates so many people she kills like three people and she's like oh no I feel bad about that anyway yeah and Parisa gets really upset when Callum kills this person not because he's killed her because of how easily he killed her without even he, raising he made, a finger he made them kill themselves yeah sorry yeah you're right and that's what made her afraid not that he killed her if he'd shot her she'd be like whatever he made her kill herself and then Everyone is kind of like two days later. Like, oh, Callum's yeah. clearly the most dangerous. Not the girl who incinerated people. Not the not the guy who has magical powers, but instead fought these grown men and trained soldiers head on in a gunshot wound and still survived somehow. Yeah. Now that fight really annoyed me because there were I remember actual sentences like um, Nico took the knife off him and stabbed him or something like that. But not how we took the knife off him. Not how this university. No, it's, 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 it's suddenly established. Oh, actually, Nico's really good at hand-to-hand combat, and so is Rico. Well, that, it's like, what? That's fine, but just explain how the fight happened step by step. Just say, just glossing over the fight, saying, "Oh, took the knife from him and used it against him," is too simplistic. I, I want to picture the combat in my head, the hand-to-hand fight. Yeah. But I can't because you've not described it. So, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm just. And I struggled to work out how these university students are taking on this CIA kill squad with automatic weapons. But their advantage is the magic. I know, but Nico openly says he's not using it. (laughs) I think he uses it. He does because he he uses it to make the bullets um, miss him. Yes, but when they put out their knives, he fights them hand to hand. Yeah. And I don't understand how he can take on multiple assailants I think, who are well trained. He established he like manipulates the gravity so that they're like off balance or something. Okay, but it's not established very well. No. But yeah, it's for me. It wasn't I was like okay. Again, it's like that happens, and that is the only time that happens in the book. Yeah, there is like no, there's like no other. Oh yeah, you've got to defend the society from breaches. That's the only breach that really happens. Mm. It was deliberate as well. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yes, it was kind of like a test because we kind of like leak that you guys are here so we can kind of test the defences and see your capability. And But yeah, it's the fact that, oh, yeah, you've just been... If you if you've gone to like university and like, yeah, you've got to defend your... Um, dormitory, uh, dormitory from these from, junkies or whatever. Yeah, from... Yeah, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to basically... The, the local homos are allowed to break in and take what they want. It's like, oh yeah, um, all the... Yeah. That'd make a great like indie movie. <laughs> uh, what is it? Um, the one with um, John Boyega uh, attack the block or defend the block <laughs> yeah. or whatever it's where they get attacked by them of like gorilla aliens. Yeah, God's sake. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's the it's the fact that they you've just been 
dragged. Boy, you've been taken from like you missed anything? Oh yeah, just uh, yeah. Hello and welcome go, go to me. your next stage of higher uh, higher education. Now, uh, I know you've just arrived, but could you go kill some people for me? Yeah, uh, it's just yeah. It is the fact that with all these other ethical, they're, 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 that's the thing. They've just killed a bunch of people, and yet they're getting worried about having to kill one of their fellow students. And Granted, by the way, who cleaned up all those bodies? Magic. <laughs> Another thing that made me question it, um, when they all f- eventually find out they've got to kill someone, bear in mind we definitely guessed. Oh, yeah, no, I guess. Like, someone's gonna, yeah. The, like reading the blurb, I was like, oh, yeah, this, this means one of them's going to die at the end. But they, they didn't find out themselves until more than halfway through the book, yeah. which was very frustrating for me because I'm like, come on, I've read it on the blurb, let's get going. Anyway, so I, I found that was quite slow. Again, with what I said about writers making a promise, it felt like it took too long to get to it. When they were told, when they all find out about the fact they're going to have to kill one of them, none of them said, you're asking me to commit murder. That's illegal. Yeah, none of them question it. They're just like, oh. It's like, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And several of them, like, like, because they had long moral arguments, should we do this? And um, several of them were like, but look at what we're doing. Look at where we are. Wouldn't you kill for this? I'm like, but what are you doing? But you're studying for no reason. Everyone came to try and find out something in particular, and that was denied them by the library. So I'm like, well, there's no actual point for you being here. And there's nothing, no one, no, no one's here to learn anything worth killing for. And finally, if you were told, okay, hello, six people, one of you has to die, you'd say, right, I'm out. Just walk away. Like, why, why stay and risk your life? Or, next best idea, one of us is going to die? Okay, immediately kill yeah. the closest person. Yeah. I don't get it. Why is everyone going to have this moral argument? Yeah. But it's, it's weird. I, I understand, like, the thing I found weird is, go back to the, like, when they attack I understand, like, defending yourself in self-defense. Yes. That makes sense. As opposed to, oh, to cold-blooded murder. Yeah, but even, surely you'd question the murder. But even so, if, say, if, like, me and you were walking down the street tomorrow and suddenly someone's attacking people and the only way you defend yourself and you you happen to kill someone in self-defense I imagine I'd walk away from that pretty scarred and yeah. kind of messed up you'd probably, still be upset I would probably have to go to therapy I wouldn't be proud of that I'd no. be, I, I, if I saved someone I'd be happy that I've saved them but I still wouldn't be happy that I've killed I, I was, someone yeah, and taken a life yeah. I wouldn't be proud of that I wouldn't brush it under the rug. No. Like these characters do. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. If they've established that they've gone out and done this sort of thing before... Yeah, it makes then that, sense. That would make sense, yeah. But I, I can't see why any of them would have. No. So you're telling me that Libby Rhodes is too anxious to have a proper conversation. But she can incinerate a motherfucker quite easily. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just how so many things kind of get swept away quite easily. Or you don't care. Yeah, and uh, I don't, I don't know what it was about, but I, I was it compelled like... enough to reach the end because I thought there is, go- and we haven't even reached the plot twist. Well, the last thing I'll say is, I it really just felt like things that other authors would have focused on were brushed to the side to make room for more philosophical debates. It sounds, it, it, it feels like to me the book. I mean, it's quite long for what the subject matter is. It feels like it was longer, and the publishers said, Olivia Blake, cut some stuff. And instead of cutting the philosophical arguments, because I imagine they're her baby, she had to cut, she decided to cut 
the stuff that me and you would have personally found more interesting. And the thing was, there's a plot twist at the end. Yes, where there's a character that. who is earlier on in the book, and you don't think it's going to be that important. Apparently, it turns out to be more important than they are. I got that a mile of coming. I got that a mile away. They even said it early on. So when Tristan accidentally time yeah, travels... No, he, yes, no. Yeah. As, soon, as soon, yeah, as soon as you see that bit where the, he crosses paths with this character through some sort of, like, time travel, you're like, oh, that's so-and-so from earlier in the book. I guess they're going to be important. They're and obviously a time the, traveller too. Yeah, and then there's the plot twist that, oh, they kind of are going to try and destroy the society. So... But I was like, by the time I'd read that, I was like... This was completely out of the blue. No, not out of the blue. It's just like, this just the, feels a little bit The too fact late. that Atlas Blake turned out to be an, a megalomaniac who wants to destroy the world. I was just like, oh, that's way, way too far to the tats from what I've read. The whole thing about Ezra, yeah, I got that a mile coming. But the Atlas Blake thing is just sort of like, here is this character he's established to be what you think he is. Actually, something completely different. And there were basically no clues thread throughout the book that he has this secret goal, yeah, secret yeah. desire, secret agenda. And if there'd been some clues, you're like, oh, there's something darker going on. So you know at this Blake that there's something secret about him. And then you find out, oh, the secret is so much worse than I thought. That would have been really good. Mm. But the fact that you're like, oh, Atlas Blake, you barely see him in the book, despite the fact that his name's on the fucking cover. You barely see him. And he yeah, just, I thought he was going to feature a bit more. A bit more, yeah. But then when he... So he's like this background character who doesn't really have much of an impact on the story as a whole. And at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, he wants to destroy the world. You're like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, and the fact... The, the, the plot twist with Ezra, it kind of felt too late in the book. It felt to me like a cop-out. So the whole book that is is... There's these six people, one of them's going to die so the rest can go on. And in the end, none of them die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, you were kind of waiting for that and it's like, oh no, it's, that's kind of not happened now. Yep. So, you did, so, so first of all, you didn't actually have to kill anybody. Mm. You could have just persuaded one person to leave and that would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> Although they, they have this whole thing about a sacrifice but it's not they really, didn't do it in the end <laughs> yeah they, they, they didn't they're like oh it's really important that we do this sacrifice because it's important for the society and everything and it's like and then they don't do it like oh yeah no it's kind of fine so you're like but you, but you, so you didn't actually need to do it anyway yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> kind of makes it go more than I read all of this for yeah it's like if you if if, if it didn't matter in the first place wait if, if it hasn't happened this time but apparently it didn't matter why did what? you need to do it in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is probably the longest we have spent on a singular book in a long time. Yeah. Perhaps ever in all of the episodes <laughs> we've done. I we feel... did say it was going to be a good discussion. Yeah. All right. I have some fun news for you. Ooh, I saw... Let me Actually, finish yes. this and then we'll do the next whiskey. Yes, we will have that. Try the next whiskey and I have some fun news for you. Right, right. on more legacy. I have never tried this. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit smoky. Let's give it a go. Subtle on that smokiness. It's not. It doesn't smell very overly heavy. This is. It's a Highland single malt whiskey. Are they more well known to be peated? 
you don't get many Peter Tan. Oh. Of course, it's high. It, um, Isla is kind of like the main sort of Peter. But you still get you still get Peter Highlands and Speyside. It's not that they can't do Peter Whiskey. It's just not what they're as well known that, for. Yes, yeah, Isla is so well established for its big, heavy PT monsters like Lefroig, Arbeg, Lagavulin, Kalila, and so many others. But you can still, of course, in Scotland, you can get peated whiskey elsewhere. I mean, Glen Scotia, they do peated whiskey. You've got Ben Romack, which does lightly peated. I mean, the last episode we did, Arden Merkin, they're on the Highlands and they do peated whiskey. So, yeah, you, you can get peated whiskies wherever, wherever you go in Scotland. It's just that Isla is kind of the, the big, big one. The big one. But. The big peat. Yeah, kind of like. Oh, yeah, Stephanie isn't blowing your head off with. Uh, no, you, you can definitely pick up that sort of subtle smokiness. Getting like a biscuity kind of smell. I'm getting kind of like a slightly fruity you note. Know? Like, I'm getting a bit of like grape, grapefruit. Oats and raisin biscuit? No, I'm getting grapefruit. Yeah. You're getting like a sweet kind of fruit. A little fruitiness. Anyway, let's give it a try. Cheers. Definitely a bit Smokier more... than the... Um, say the name for me. Arden Merkin. That we had last month. But nowhere near as... Yeah, definitely... Smoky as like Smokehead or something. Yeah, definitely the smoke is more prominent on the palate. Mm-hmm. But it is not super heavy and all-encompassing. It's a bit more... I like... Chill. Mm, nice... I'd say nice, easy, approachable. It's kind of like with the Cardu. I said the Cardu would be like a very easy, approachable dram to new whiskey drinkers. I think this would be an easy, approachable, smoky whiskey. Yeah. Heated whiskey. Nice introduction. Yeah. It's very gentle. Mm. It puts me in mind of like, you know, when when you watch like a fire on TV, it's like a slow rolling white flame across the ground. Mm-hmm. Course my, obviously, I don't know what that tastes like, but that's why. <laughs> and if that tastes in it, it's a very bad idea because with four <laughs> breaths, you're unconscious. But you know what I mean. Mm. It's not. It's not like, oh, wow, that's all peat and everything. It's, it's a bit of that multiness. There is that flavour sort of in there, yeah. Yeah. There is a. I'm guessing this is probably a bit bourbon cask, I imagine. Um, I don't know whether it says. Um, but that sort of slightly fruit, fruity notes that some bourbon cask can impart on the back, maybe. Yeah, not certainly not bad. I don't think it would be my go-to peated whiskey. It doesn't say if there's been any time in a bourbon cask. Mm-hmm. Does they have any cask? What percentage is it? Forty. Forty. I mean, I would probably... A unique expression of the Ardmore. A marriage of peated and unpeated single malt whiskey. Mm. I imagine there's probably quite a bit of ex-bourbon cask. Maybe a touch of um, sherry cask in there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a good introductory whiskey same as the car do mm-hmm. I don't think it would be something I'd give it to a really massive whiskey aficionado but yeah sort of 
easy, approachable. It's all right. I'd drink it if I handed it, but yeah, not bad. But um, anyway, your news. I'm excited. News. So I saw this trailer when I was on Instagram the other day, and it's got me very excited because coming to Disney Plus next year yeah. is a new adaptation TV series of Shogun. Oh, oh, that book that I read. Yeah, like that. the book that you read. I don't think which, I actually got to the end. I think. You, I oh, think no, I skipped to the end. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So apparently, I, I believe because there's a um, book that I read a few months ago called "Who Is Michael Ovitz," who was a um, agent in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and he worked with the author James Clavell. James Clavell to get. I haven't run applause to my memory. I haven't looked at that book in like a year or two. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Thank who you. he helped establish a or create a show for Shogun years ago. So apparently oh. there was there has already been a show for it, but they are now remaking it for a modern day audience, and it looks awesome. I was I was so tempted to send you the trailer. <laughs> you um, wanted to reveal. I it wanted here. to reveal it here. There were some really good bits of the book, I have to admit. And it, like, watching the watching the trailer, I was like, this looks like it will be good. I, I'm wondering if maybe, like, they've p- perhaps encompassed some of the other books. I haven't read them. So the um, other books are, te- are set in Hong Kong hundreds of years later. Oh, okay. So the, the other two are, like, so Taipan and Noble House are both set in Hong Kong. Okay. I thought it was a... Um, I don't know. A full series set in Japan. No, I don't think it is. I think he writes... He writes it, it does all sorts of Asian history. Um, Gaijin my, and King Rat and Whirlwind. No, so the books he's written are Shogun was set in the year 1600 and then the, all the other books are from the 1840s onwards. Okay. Um... So, he eighteen forty one and eighteen sixty two. There, yeah, he's written books, but I think they're in other parts of Asia. Mm. Um, and then, then there's not another one until nineteen forty five. So he can completely skips Meiji Restoration and all that. Mm. So yeah, not the right time period. Fair enough. But yes, then a new series based on that book is coming out, and it looks really cool. It looks like it's got some good actors in it as well. I can't remember. Is the stereotypical uh, samurai actor who's in every samurai film we've ever watched, um, the guy who's in John Wick 3, he is the um, uh, manager of the Tokyo Hotel. John Wick 4, you're thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. You're right, I am. The man yeah. to the Tokyo Continental. You know who I mean. I know who I said mean. That. I can't remember the guy's name. It, I'm pretty sure. So I look it up. It, it, I'm pretty sure it is him because as soon as I saw him, I was like, saw him. I was like, you were like one of the best Japanese actors. I mean, he there. is. It's like, I know exactly who you are. I don't know your name. I know exactly who you are. <laughs> so the actor we're talking about is. I am going to look up on the pronunciation guide. Which I can't find. Um, Hiroyuki Sanada. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is him. Yeah, uh, there he is. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost certain it is him. He's, he's just an, like, it's just like, oh, be the Japanese character. Where is that guy? <laughs> Where is Hiroyuki yeah. Sarada? And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's him because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I recognised him. It's like, yeah, gets him here now. Yeah, yeah, he has the actor. best agent. He must have the best agent. Yeah. I mean, he's completely typecast. I don't think I've seen him in a single film where he doesn't have those two swords. Wasn't he? He was in the. Um, he was in Bullet Train. He was in uh, Avengers as well. Was he in Avengers? I know he, he was in Forty Seven Ronin. He doesn't. He, I'm pretty sure he was in Endgame because doesn't Hawkeye kill him? He's like a he's like a yakuza. Yes, he is a yakuza. Yes, you're right. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, that is Endgame. He's in Endgame. He's everywhere. Like I'll be the yakuza. Yakuza are a bit like samurai. Get Haru Yakuza out of here now. Uh, dear. But yeah, so I saw he that. He's like the best career. And again, he has the double swords then as well, for fuck's sake. But I saw that, and I was like, it's been like probably, I think it's been a couple of years since we talked about Shogun, but I'm gonna, I'll find the trailer for you in a bit, but it looks so good. I think it's, it's coming out next year. I love a good super, historical drama. Super, super excited for that. And talking of other shows that I've been watching mm-hmm. about Samurai and everything, I've re- I just started it earlier today it's called Blue Eye Samurai oh right and it's an anime on Netflix and it's kind of like a 3D style it's really good I'm, really, I'm only one episode in like, <laughs> this is really really good or maybe the rest are shit from here oh no please don't say that I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen, spent I've seen, all their budget on episode one I've seen really good reviews but yeah I'm enjoying it so, so the idea is like the main character is uh half Japanese, half Caucasian. They're kind of like ostracised from society. Yeah, they would be. Well, what the, time period is it set? It's like the 1600s. Oh yeah, they would be. Like fucking hell. Um, six, yeah, 1600s, 1700s. Um, but they, they train to become a, they basically become a ronin. Yeah. A samurai ronin. And they're out for like revenge. Master of the samurai. Yeah, revenge and everything against. Oh damn. Yeah. But it's, it's, even for like a, it's pretty, graphic like particularly like injury detail like within like the first five minutes they've like cut someone's fingers off and you're like oh damn there's, there's, there's a lot of blood <laughs> um, but it's the action is really good there's like a moment where they're having a duel and they keep the, the main characters like changing they're like visualising what their enemy will do and they keep changing their stance they're like no if I do that they'll do that and they, they do that and it's oh, it's visually stunning and it's Really good. The voice acting's great as well. But yeah, highly recommend. I'm, like, I'm one episode in. <laughs> and you're already like, I'm already like, this This will be good. I think you should watch it. Um, but yeah, though, uh, yeah, there's a film you wanted to talk about. I may have mentioned that. Yes. <laughs> Did I? Was that accidental? Yes, it was actually. Uh, John Wick 4. Which came out quite a while ago. Did it? Oh. it came out like earlier this year. Oh, it did, but it only just became free on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, hence why you only just watched it. Indeed. Uh, yes, for some reason, I, I'm a bit self-obsessed as well. I like this for because I've watched it, and now everyone else has watched it. Mm. But I am usually the last to watch things. Anyway, I enjoyed the film as a whole, but there were some bits at the end. <laughs> yes, in terms of action, it is... Fantastic. On, it's, on par it, with it's, the others. Yeah, yeah, John Wick films, their action is incredible. Grunt- I find like the action these were longer than usual. Yeah, so I... It was a longer film than the other three. I was watching this with a friend, 
um, and he'd already seen it, and he says, there's some great bits, there are some f- funny bits, there are some ridiculous bits. And it, like he was pausing the film, he was like, do you think such and such? And I was like, yes. It was like, there was a scene where there's a fight in... Um, so they, as we've mentioned, the Tokyo act, Continental. Yeah, yeah. There is a fight scene in that building where John Wick is basically going through a bunch of different grunts and everything, and then he stops, reloads, and then more grunts. My friend paused. It was it. perfectly timed there when the guns yeah. come in. My friend paused it and was like, "This is like a video game level, yeah. isn't it?" And I was like, "Oh my god, it is! It's like he's going through different waves of enemies, yeah. like a video game." Ah. Uh, well, I, I, I just thought, like, if there's that many, if they just rush them all at once, they might actually have a chance. Yeah. I. If we go into a more spoiler discussion now. Yeah. So it's basically, it's basically, well, I can't I'm trying to remember, like, the whole, before we go into spoilers, like, the whole premise of it again is that. He's still trying to get out from doing yeah. what he wants. Yeah, want the, to do. I, it, they tried to kill him at the end of the last film. He's still alive. He's now gone into hiding. Mm. Um, but they're threatening. The, his former associates of the previous Continental and it's like oh yeah if you we're sending someone new to hunt you and if you don't get to this duel to clear your name then that they, they'll die and so that's yeah. not well yes so um, his so-called friends at the other Continental were threatened but basically he was told to he set up the jewel himself and was told if he does the jewel he was will be free mm. so that's more why he's going along with it the uh, threat to the others are only because they decided to be involved in the jewel but they did kill his friend but on, on to the spoiler discussion now I love the bit where the two sumo wrestlers went hand to hand with those group of bad guys it's just none of your fancy high-tech armor or guns. It's just big guys grabbing people. <laughs> I love how, um, again, it's Hiroyuki Sonata. He just says to them, deal with this. So they're going just like on their own. Let's take out these guys. I really, I don't know um, the actor's name, uh, but he was playing the blind guy. Oh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, yes. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, sorry. He was so good in it. He, he was, was really good. Did you spot him in Rogue One? Yes. He's the blind guy there as well. He's in uh, it, is it, it Man. Yeah, he's a very good muscle artist. A yeah, really good muscle he's artist. Incredible. But in this, he is so good. He is really good. He, he did make that film, I think. Yeah. Um, some of the action sequences, particularly the one where he gets the uh, flame shotgun. Yeah, the dragon's breath yeah, browns. That was so cool. That was a really good scene. But the, there are also some ridiculous bits. The stairs. The stairs. <laughs> so there is a scene. I just thought it was funny when they finally gets to the top. Where he has to fight his way to the top of these stairs to get somewhere. <laughs> he fights his way to the top and gets knocked down. <laughs> All the way to the bottom. All the way to the bottom of the stairs. And he doesn't die from and that like, it would, like most people would. No. Uh, and my fr- me and my friend timed it. It took about a minute and a half for him to get <laughs> to the bottom of these stairs. It did take ages. We were, we were literally like, watching it like... 
Is he going to stop? I, 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 I gonna remember stop? this. No, I remember gonna, I stood with my flatmate and I was like, afterwards, there were some bits that felt a bit dragged out. That was massively dragged out. Yeah. I think I think the whole film itself could have actually been a bit shorter. I think it did feel a bit too long. I, I didn't like the ending. <laughs> I did not like the ending at all. It, it felt so unsatisfactory. After everything he's been through. Yeah. He died. Just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. He could have... If he was going to die anyway, there was no point setting up the jewel. You could just... <laughs> no. I think it... There could have been... I think, felt, I, think, I think there could have been a more satisfactory ending to it. Yeah. Well, apparently they're making a John Wick anime, which sounds really cool. And they played the TV show. Yes, the Continental. I was going to ask that, actually. I've only seen the first episode. First episode is really quite good. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. That's, that's good to hear. I I watched I rewatched all the John Wicks recently, and I watched his transition. By the fourth film, I thought he, he was quite simple. You know, when you meet someone and they don't say very much and they don't have a lot going on upstairs. That's the, that, that was my impression I got well, from I'm his character. I'm not surprised. He's probably had a lot of head trauma. <laughs> yes, probably. Head shot at. But, but at least in the first film, he felt kind of smart. Yeah. Was, uh, I don't know. I think, I think John Wick 4 is actually probably my least favourite of them. I think it was slight... Mm. The action was still great. I think it was a bit too long. And the ending... I think the ending could have been so much more satisfactory think it just felt a little bit like a cop-out that mm. he got killed at the end and it was just like they could have they could have i know i think i understand that i think keanu reeves kind of wanted it to the end there. yeah and i was an interview the producers he, wanted him to bring him back oh, like yeah, this no, wouldn't be the end more. but he kind of reeves is I like think, i'm done yeah because he's what he's in his like fifth, late 50s now mm. and he's too tired to be doing all this yeah but I think they could have come up with something better at the end. There could have been like some way for him to like have a satisfactory ending. I don't it feels it it didn't feel like a good enough payoff for mm. the four films. Um but no, the action is still incredible. Whoever their stunt coordinator is was great and yeah then they, they did that like little bit at the end where it's like oh we're gonna set up a spin-off or something or a different yeah. series of films with a different character and i'm like i would have much preferred just having like a satisfactory ending. well I, I thought that was sort of like the the bit where hiroyuki sanada's daughter goes to attack kane mm-hmm. and it just sort of felt like a bit like oh it didn't end well for everybody kind of thing yeah no. I don't think they're going to make a film out of that. I don't know, I guess. I think... I've heard, like, various mentions of different spin-offs and everything, but... Who knows? Anyway, I think we shall wrap it up there, as we spent ages talking about that. I, I literally think that is probably the longest we spend. Ian spends discussing a single book. We had a lot to say, really. Yeah. Not a lot of it positive. No, I'm afraid to say it wasn't, was it? <laughs> no, hopefully next episode we'll uh, have some books where we can discuss more positive aspects. Do you think you would read the next one? In, of the, in the Atlas 6 series? Yeah. Absolutely not. Fair enough. Would you? I think if I did, it would be a long time coming. Before, a long time coming. I've got plenty of other things I want to read before then. So, yeah. I think if the next book is set now they've entered the society, 
the next book set after they've graduated and they've gone off their own separate ways into the world, I might be more forgiving. If the next book's another year of studying, again, for no actual exam or anything, there's no dissertation at the end of this, there's no award. No. Why are they studying? I don't get it. Yeah. We'll wait. Mm, yeah, I don't, even if I do read it, it won't be anytime soon. Anyway, we shall wrap up there. Thank you very much for listening to our rambling and whiskey talk and drunken jokes yeah and we will see you next time bye cheers tom